Welcome to Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Neighborhood Church. Um, we have a different service today for many reasons. My um, son was in a minor accident last night and went to the ER at midnight, and my wife left me in bed. I woke, awoke to, he's fine, but I woke to a picture of my son in the emergency room. I'm like, this is a new parenting communication tool. <laughs> so he's fine, but Nikki was supposed to do music, and she didn't get home till about 4 in the morning, so... Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to go right into your favorite part, Amy, the message, and it's going to be, it's going to be a short service today, so, um, but there's a, a couple things we want to highlight first and we want to celebrate. It is Juneteenth, and, um, our, um, anti-racism work is something we're absolutely committed to here at Neighborhood Church, um, and if you are, um, if, if you're in the area and you're watching, there is a Juneteenth celebration all weekend long at, um, Bay, not Bayfront, it's at, um, Sarah, you know all things, you're supposed to have, it's at, I uh, know, it's at, um, Superior, where the, the bay is, what do you call that? Barker's Island, thank you. There's a celebration all weekend long at Barker's Island, um, that I will be going to, uh, tomorrow. But if there is a, a way that you can, um, uh, be not just supportive, but be able to celebrate this week. And I'm actually, it's going to come up my message in a little bit. Um, and it's also Pride Month, and that's a big thing. And every every month is a way to celebrate um, queer and trans people. Um, and we just want to continue to highlight that. That's something where um, our allyship is something we're actually absolutely um, committed to. So what we are talking about today, it feels weird going right into the message. Usually, like, there's this whole, like, I have, like, 20 minutes to get comfortable. So uh, uh, we're, we're talking about this, this verse. John 5 is the verse I have preached the most on in my life. Uh, from the movement I was a part of, it was a foundational um, way of thinking about God and the Bible. And it says that um, Jesus says uh, God is always at work. And it got me thinking what kind of work, Anwen, is God in? And if I had to say, hey, what kind of business is God in? And Anwen would say, none of your business. That's actually a really good answer, right? I don't want to talk right now, right? So if God's, if, if, if God's in the business, like some people might say, well, God's in this, like, communication business, right? Uh, God wrote a Bible uh, and he answers to prayers. And um, there's problems with that, though, like, if God's in the business of just answering prayers, like, what is the busiest prayer season uh, all year long? Well, if you had to pick one season that the most prayers are uttered, what would it be? Christmas? No. Valentine's Day, not even close. What are you doing on Valentine's Day? Oh, God, please help me. Oh, God. Oh, God, help me, right? Uh, I, the running joke is that it's the World Cup. People globally are praying to their God of, oh, please help us win. And funny, only one country's God answers that prayer, right? Um, some people th see God as uh, like this uh, eclectic Superman. Like if a building's going to fall, there's 
Superman comes and saves the day. If there's a bad guy, you know, God comes and saves the day. But what up, friend? Welcome back. <laughs> um, but the problem with that is, is like, like if for every one building that's falling, there's like other buildings that are falling or mudslides that are falling and hurting and killing people. Like God clearly can't be the Superman to all people at all times. If that's the work God's in, then God needs a job review really quickly, right? So I thought it would be fun to talk about what kind of work is God in. And by nature, that would be the kind of work that maybe we might want to be involved in. And like I said, in the 19 years of pastoring, I've preached on this message the most. And I had a a, a nice little epiphany of we talk often of how we should be growing and evolving and changing. Our, like our bodies are evolving, growing, and changing. Our intellect, our uh, emotional health, and why not our spirituality? That, for some people, is a threat, and I think it's something that shows health and purpose and beauty. And 10 years ago, me giving this verse, um, how I viewed it and how I'd show up in a room, because I think theology should, show up, um, should inform how you show up in a room, um, is drastically different than how I show up in a room now and how I think about God. And it's actually not throwing shade at 10 years ago, Chris, but I'm actually really happy that I get to be a part of a, a group of people where evolving and transforming and learning is um, not just tolerated, it's, it's celebrated. So I'm going to read John 5, and I'm going to do a lot of reading. Uh, I do this every once in a while so that anyone says, uh, well, Chris, you don't really use the Bible. I'm like, I read a half a chapter, so what up? So this is John 5, starting verse 1. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for uh, one of the Jewish festivals. Uh, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in America is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there has been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Which is a fabulous question that Jesus took time. Like, oh, you've been laying here 38 years. You ever considered getting well? So, uh, sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, It is Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up your walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Which why don't we put that on a pillow, right? Why don't that verse get put up in somewhere else? Hey, stop sinning or something worse is going to happen to you, right? I love that verse. Jesus just gets right to the point. Uh, Verse 15, the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this day and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can, only, he can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and you'll show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. So, 
there, there's a lot that's happening in here. Uh, Jesus says that God's always working. He says that I'm only going to do what God's doing. And this God figure loves to show uh, what this God is, in fact, doing. But how the trouble starts is um, uh, there's a guy just carrying a mat. That is what the big hubbub is, right? Wasn't that Jesus healed the guy? It's the guy got caught carrying a mat. And the reason being is on Sabbath, um, you're supposed to rest. And you're supposed to rest because in this, um, what I believe to be this story of creation, um, even God works for six days, and even God has to take a rest. So maybe there might be some value to not checking your email every 10 minutes every day, right? Write that one down, Anwin, right? So maybe there's this value in um, quieting yourself. And the whole idea of Sabbath, this idea of the shalom, is to experience the fullness of all things. And so, like, experience the fullness of this earth, of your body, of your relationships, of your friends, to slow down, find your breath, and be okay that you're not producing. You are more than what you produce. And they had all these uh, rules or regulations um, as a way of enticing you, as a way of reminding you of you don't need to carry a mat. You're actually okay, not working today. Just slow down. And these people saw this guy, and they're like, who do you think you are? And he's like, I've been laying by a pool for 38 years. Cut me a break, right? Um, he doesn't say that. And then he says, well, don't blame me. Blame this Jesus guy, right? And so they come after Jesus because Jesus is working, right? And he says a line, I'm, uh, God's always at work. I, too, am working, and this God loves to show us what this work may, uh, might be. And so what kind of work is Jesus in? What kind of work is God in then? God is in the work of not just healing people. God is in the work of helping people be their fullest self. Because how does, if, if Jesus says, my Father loves to show us what God is doing, how does, like, God reveal itself in this person by the pool, Right? I, I was trained, I've been to a couple 13, 14 um, healing, what did we used to call them? Healing conferences, uh, healing workshops. I took a, a class um, called Power Healing. I think I've listened to it probably 35 times, right? Because I had to do it four times a year for 15 years. Do the math, that's how many times I did it, right? I've been around, um, I've seen a lot of um, healing ministers and preachers come in and do some things. Some of it was amazing. A lot of it was really awkward. Um, so I've been around this whole healing thing, right? And some people, they'd say, well, God reveals itself. Like one person, he, we'd be in this room, hundreds of people, and be like, oh, okay, everyone wait. The Spirit of God is moving over there. It's coming in a wave, right? And then I'd be like in the room like, look, like, I don't see anything. What's going on, right? And then funny, whenever he would say, oh, it's now here, people would be like, oh, yeah, great, it's, it's here. Uh, another guy named Robbie would, um, would profess that he could see symbols over your head. So Janine would be like, over your head would be like a symbol of something. And I'd be like, oh, this is a secret about your life that um, you've not told anyone, but now I'm telling on camera, right? And Robbie would do that often. And sometimes it was spot on. Other times... It was still awkward, right? There would be, um, there'd be people who would have like a sense or feeling that God is doing this in this person, right? And I, and I'm like, what, how do I say this? I'm like a skeptical miracle guy, right? I believe in miracles. I pray for miracles, but I'm very 
you're, you're giving me that face, right? Yeah, it's like, if like Jeff goes, yeah, I had a miracle, I'll be like, really? I'm happy for you, right? So I believe in them, I pray for them, but I'm very, very skeptical of them, mainly like trauma <laughs> of things I've been a part of and seen and, and, and witnessed. Um, and also I think it's really healthy as well, right? And so what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, the symbols and stuff. The problem with that is, is that if you were saying, okay, well, um, I see that, that wave, I see that symbol, I see that, I have that feeling, then I'm going to gauge that person, then when you don't see that, right, you don't see the symbol, you don't see the wave, you don't have that feeling, then you don't engage that person. So you can, you can rely on this feeling or this thing to engage and do something, engage with God in that person. But what Jesus says, my father is always at work. Like God is never not working. God is always working all people at all time. If that's true, then how does God show us that he's working? Well, like by breathing, right? By noticing a person for being an actual human, by seeing an individual that maybe they, they cry when they hear classical music. They love the ballet in New York, right? They, um, maybe they fell in love like in third grade and they don't know why they could just say. Maybe they um, got some bad news on the phone and they're having some feelings. You notice a person. Instead of just being that person, it's a human that has nuance, that has complexity, that has beauty, that has dreams. And honestly, this is what Jesus does. The, that guy sitting by the pool for 38 years, I bet everyone knew him as, yeah, you know, that guy by the pool. That guy that tries getting in the water and someone always beats him to it, then we all laugh at him, right? They didn't see him as being this individual person with a story and with dreams and hopes and pain and grief. It was just that guy. And Jesus walks up to him, and how does he see that God's at work? He saw him laying there. And he asks him a question, what is it that you really want? Like, do you want to get well? Which implies that Jesus is actually really, really concerned about who this person is and what this person wants. And what happens is, right, he goes, well, what, do you want to get well? What does he want? And then he points to something else. He's like, hey, you know, it'd be great. Thank you for asking, by the way. I'm really appreciative of this. And then he goes, well, this water is stirring. I believe the water is stirring. There was like this angel. There was like this mystical thing. And if you were the which is a, a horrible game. If you're the first to get in the water, you get the healing, right? Which is, like, not fair for the person who can't move, right? And I like how he blames everyone else. He's like, none of these people are helping me. And they're all like, because we are trying to get in that water too, right? And he's like, but you've been in the water 15 times. It's my turn. And then what Jesus responds to, what this guy wants, Jesus says, hey, that's great. But, like, is that what you really want? Instead, he just says, just get up. And I can imagine the guy saying, oh, I never thought about that. Why don't I just get up and walk? Thanks for a reminder, Jesus. There is an actual miracle that happens. But the miracle is more than that the guy just got up. If you go through the book of John, they don't call them miracles. They call them signs. And these signs are pointing to something bigger than just a cool party trick. A miracle is more than just um, I can't walk, now I walk. What Jesus is demonstrating to us, what Jesus is inviting us, this sign of what it is, is that Jesus saw a human while everyone else just saw a disabled person. And what Jesus did by validating him, engaging with him, speaking him, showing him love, is saying, I'm interested in you being your fullest self. I'm interested in you seeing that this goodness is here. Whatever that water stirring thing is, can you see that maybe that water's always been stirring inside? Maybe it's always been there? And what it demonstrates, and this is, Across the board, every miracle that I read in the Bible, 
is what Jesus is doing is not just helping this person. He's revealing to everyone else of saying, it's funny how you don't see a human until they look like you, until they move like you, until maybe they share some of the same uh, passion, so they, maybe they vote like you, maybe they work like you do. Jesus is saying, this guy has always been good. This guy has always been beautiful. This guy has always had meaning and purpose, and you couldn't see his humanity until he looked like you. The miracle is not just, I want to help people walk. The miracle is to reveal to everyone else of saying, do you see how you've created this structure, this system, this, these tiers of these are good and these are bad? These people have value and worth because they can't function like you. They are not even human. Jesus is saying we have to see people. We have to see individual humans. We have to see people that are inherently good and beautiful, that they have, they have dreams, they have nuance, and they have purpose, and they have beauty. So Jesus is in the restoring and revealing the fullness of humanity work. And every person should move to be their fullest self. So based on this, um, based on this verse, I have two takeaways, and then we're going to be done. This is the shortest church service I have ever been a part of, and I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, thank you. Um, two takeaways. First is this. I, I think most of us would say, hey, I want to be a part of that. I want to be part of this kind of work. Like, Adia, like, of course Adia wants to help, and everywhere she goes, spread this love and see individuals and see humans and help people, inspire people to be their fullest self. We can't do that if the way we view ourselves is toxic. And if you're one of the people, like, like you, that come a lot, you're like, yeah, we've heard this a couple, 13, 14 times. I bring up as much as possible because I believe in it. We can't go and do good. We can't go and be this infinite, expansive love if every time we look in the mirror, what we say to ourselves is that you're garbage. We, we can't go and be something that we're not willing to embody ourselves. And when I talk to people, I talk to people a lot, right? Very few people are, start a place of like, I'm an amazing human, all right? I can, I can think of a couple of people, me being one of them, right? I'm like, you want to get to know me. I am a lot of fun, right? A lot of people where they live and where, and where they start in the morning is I'm just a fat person. I, I'm, I'm lazy. I, I should be working more. I am, my body is just exists for my kids, Right? What's pleasure? We don't even know what it is. I, my whole existence makes sure middle management gets what it needs, right? My, my life is built around the stress that I can never get out of. Like, have you been there? The, the things that we say to ourselves in our head are things we would never utter out loud to someone else. And we tolerate that. And we just see that it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just me being hard on myself, right? We can't embody this love and help people be their fullest self if we are full of shame and violence toward ourselves. So where I encourage you to start is, like, if God is in this human business, if God is helping us be our fullest selves, what does it look like for you? And can you actually, like, say it? Can you actually believe it? Can you look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm a miracle? Can you look in the mirror and say, like, I am loved. I'm good. I'm full of moxie. I'm full of wisdom. And I am loved. I, <laughs> I wasn't planning on saying this. Um, I often will look myself in the eyes, which is really weird. <laughs> but I, I, I practice. I look myself in the eyes in the, in the mirror. 
um, if you're wondering, that's how you do it. And um, I will tell myself that I'm good. I'll tell myself that I'm loved. I will tell myself that it's going to be okay. And then I cry for about 15 minutes, right? And why? Because so often I don't believe it. I'll say, yeah, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, but I'm just like an accident, right? I'm just like, I happen to be here. And when I can remind myself that I also get to embody this love, it's not just other people, that I get in on this goodness as well, then I can show up in this world a completely different human. So be kind to yourself. Show yourself love. Second one is this. If we're going to take the words of Jesus seriously, um, to love ourselves, and we're supposed to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, well, we need to, like, show up and actually see people. Um, it's funny that we can do this really, really well with people who, um, yep, there you go, thank you. So, um, it's easy to do this with people who are like-minded with, right, where our bias or our culture or um, the things that we are engaged in, we can really see humans well. Meaning this, I'm a very anxious person. I deal with a lot of anxiety. So when I meet someone and they say, hey, I'm also anxious, we have this instant connection of I can now not just see them as this person. It's like, oh, you're an anxious person, and I have language I can use. And we can talk, and we can share stories about loud things that fall on the floor, and uh, we almost pass out, right? I can connect with people who um, say, I don't know if I can do this whole God thing anymore, right? Like, I talk to a lot of these people, right? And why? Because I went through my own deconstruction. I went through my own disorder and reorder and found this path towards this good and inclusive, um, ever-expanding God. So, like, I can sit and talk with them for hours because we have common language. The problem is, is when people who maybe are outside of our lived experience, who are outside of our bias, <laughs> right, outside of, like, our, our current culture, it's not that we intentionally not engage them. It's not intentionally we say um, it's just those people. It's just what we do. We have a class that we're um, resurrecting in the fall. Um, I don't know what we're going to call it. We used to call it Whiteness 101, right? Did you take it? Did you take it? Okay. So, um, and the class was very, very um, intense because if there's one thing I know, and, right, like we are a... Um, we're a very white church. That is our, like, everyone here, right, is, is white. Um, one thing I know about white people is they don't like being reminded that they're white, <laughs> right? They have a hard time talking about their bias. They have a hard time talking about their privilege. But if you don't understand of what you are carrying in the room with you, like our, my friend uh, Valdez, who's speaking in a couple weeks, um, his previous employer, I'm going to say that because his boss is right here, right? His previous employer, he, he, and probably even currently his employer, right? He, he's a person of color, and he'd say, I'd have to show up in a room, and I would have to be the one that would change. I would have to be the one to make all these white people feel comfortable um, because it's a white-centric work environment. So I'd have to code switch. I'd have to be aware of the words I use. So instead of other people seeing me, as a person of color, he goes, I had to just basically be white to make all the other people, white people feel comfortable, right? That's not where we want to live, right? But once, as soon as you can see how privilege impacts how you show up in the world, you can't unsee it, right? But it helps then. It helps instead of just looking at those people. Now you can see an individual who has story, nuance, love, and compassion, and empathy, even though it's outside of your lived experience. 
right? Like it's Juneteenth. Like I know um, several people have um, asked me, like, well, like I'm white. How do I do? I show up to the barbecue? Do I show up to the festival? Because you know I am not black, so <laughs> I, and they feel very awkward. Which is a great place to start. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's okay not to know something because that will move you in a place of curiosity and wisdom in order moving towards the individual person and their story, right? So instead of saying, well, I, I don't know what it's like, instead of disengaging, it gives you opportunity to engage, right? Um, Pride Month. I don't know if you know this, but I am a middle-aged white male. Uh, I'm married to my, your, to my wife, Nikki. I'm not going to point to you, all right? My wife, Nikki, who I absolutely love, right? And I am a ally 100% for uh, the LGBTQ community. In Pride Month, then, it's like, I don't know what it's like to be queer. I have no idea what it's like to be a trans per person walking through the halls of ESCO, right? I have no, no clue what it feels to be an aromantic person, right? But here's what I do know. I do know what it feels like to hold someone's hand, and when they touch you, your whole world blows up. I do know what it feels like to be like silly in love with someone. I know what it's like to miss someone when they're gone for the weekend, right? And I love that. I love Nikki. And I want every single person I meet to have the opportunity, if they so choose, to have that same love. Even though it is different than, not the love's different, but how they express it is different. I have no idea what it's like. But I do want that love to be experienced. I want them to be their fullest self. So when you, can, when you can find these connections, you can find these bridges, it can help you move towards people. But if you're not aware of it, you will ignorantly and unconsciously remove yourself from pockets of people because you're saying, well, I, I'm not like them or they're not like me. And I think this is one of the, um, the things that Jesus did that was so, I don't know, sacred, if that's the right word, so holy, is that Jesus was willing to show up in the room and look and engage and connect with people. He does it with the Roman guard. He does it with the woman at the well. He does it with the, um, the, the crazy guy. You guys remember the crazy guy who's in the woods and they locked him, chained up in, in the forest and ran, after, and ran and threw himself at Jesus and Jesus cast out like the legions of demons. Of this whole wide spectrum of people, Jesus was willing to engage, see, believe, and include people. So this is my invitation. Let's move in a place of seeing people. Let's move in a place of actually engaging with people. Let's move in a place of loving and believing and including people. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll put some music on, and you guys can enjoy some donuts. I totally forgot to say Happy Father's Day. Hey, Happy Father's Day. <laughs> that's, a good way, that's a good way to end. So please join me as I pray. So, God, I thank you that you um, see me. And I thank you for all the ways in my 41 years of life that you've continually showed up. And in those spaces, in those seasons where I feel like I'm hiding from you, I feel like I am, <laughs> I'm not even hiding from you. I feel like there's times where I've even denied you. And you still see me, you still sit with me, and you still ask the question, what is it that you really want, Chris? So I pray for my friends who are here, who are watching or listening online, who just feel that distance. 
Maybe they feel like they've been laying by their own pool <laughs> for 38 years. Maybe they feel like they've just been tolerated. They've just been cast aside. They've just been labeled. Oh, you're that kind of person. And I ask God that we would awaken and we'd receive that divine love. So I pray for my friends who feel distant, they feel pushed out, they feel tolerated. Pray for my friends who look in the mirror and say those um, violent things to themselves, who say those horrible things to themselves, who believe they are just, their body is just to be tolerated. I ask God that your Holy Spirit would come and awaken us to the reality that we are loved and we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And I pray that we can move from this day, on this amazing Father's Day, God, we can move in a place of where we can see, include, believe, and love people. And where we can ask that question in hundreds of different ways, what is it that you really want? That we become interested and curious of people's lives and their stories and their nuance and their complexity. And we can help and celebrate people being their fullest self. And lastly, I, I pray, God, that as we celebrate other people doing that, that we can continue to evolve and expand and grow. And we can do that knowing that we are deeply and wonderfully loved. So thank you for that. We love you. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thanks, friends. If there's anything, if you're watching online or the hundreds of people that are here, um, if, you, <laughs> if there's something you'd like to talk through or pray, about um, I'm going to be here, and you can connect with me online. You can DM me, uh, but I'm here to help any way I can. Thank you.